Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body, Fit Mind, and today I have got with me a good friend of mine, Miss Emma Louise Fuzari. Have I said that right? I know I checked, but I just want to make yes. sure I've said it right. You said it, it completely fine. Anyone who knows this podcast by now knows that I struggle with people's surnames, especially if they're Italian. So there we go. Um, so Emma is a workplace health and well-being consultant, and she works primarily with uh, digital and creative agencies around the Manchester area and it is absolutely fascinating what she does. I really wanted to get Emma on to talk about kind of the impacts of health and well-being on business and productivity and how those two things are inextricably linked. Emma, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks. Awesome stuff. So the first big question, nice big open one to get you chatting is what does fitness mean to you? What does health and well-being, what is, what's it all about? How do you see it? Um... It's, it's an interesting question because it's something that's personal to everyone has their own opinion of, of what um, health, well-being, fitness is. Um, for me, it is practicing little things every day. Um, when you do little things, they add up to big things. And going off previous habits um, and behaviours that actually when you try big, big things, they tend not to work because you do it for a week and then you quit. Um, yeah. So for me, it's been able to do small, modifiable changes that bring about bigger um, bigger difference to your health and well-being. Yeah. So that could, that could be from doing um, a quick five-minute walk um, rather than saying, oh, I'm going to run 5K kind of thing it's easier for me to process in your mind to do smaller things than to Absolutely. do bigger things yeah it is and and they have that cumulative effect over the long term don't they these things kind of yeah. add up you don't have to do an hour all in one go if you're doing these little bits throughout the day right yeah completely so how did you get into doing what you're doing now in terms of the kind of consultancy work you do uh, for workplace well-being and all of that what's your background um, so I'm actually a nurse by background. I'm still a registered nurse, um, and uh, it, it's an it's a, well, you might find it an interesting story. But um, I hope I, so. Otherwise, I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, this, pod, this, <laughs> this uh, podcast will be canned. Yeah, boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I, uh, when I was 17, I moved to uh, Manchester from from Glasgow um, to be a pop star. Oh, right. Uh, and, okay. It's already uh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, as you can see, I completely failed miserably. <laughs> and uh, I thought I'd best get a proper job. And actually, um, when I go back to my childhood, at the age of 11, I was diagnosed as type 1 um, diabetic. Uh, and six months later, my dad had a massive heart attack and nearly died. Oh, wow. Um, you know, typical um, Scottish diet, chip pan. Um, cigarettes, yeah. um, deep fried you know, Mars bars. Yeah, well, they weren't about back back in uh, the early nineties, showing my age now. Um, <laughs> so um, I spent a lot of my um, teenage years 
um, in and out of hospital um, as an outpatient, um, either appointments with my dad or appointments and myself seeing medical professionals. And actually it was very, even then it was still very old school in the way that uh, individuals were treated. Everyone was treated as a condition rather than sure. as, a, as a person. And when um, my pop career didn't get off the ground, I thought, well, actually, what can I do? And I suppose um, the reason I became a nurse was to make a real difference to people's lives, to educate them, to empower them and to treat them as individuals and give them a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense because it is like this there's so much to be said for giving someone a positive experience in that way because we are at the end of the day a product of our experiences and i think a lot of the reasons why people have this real strong i mean it's not exactly the same as what you were saying but it's linked because i think a lot of people have a really um poor relationship with fitness as a whole because they associate it with with bad experiences throughout their life like things like pe at school like you know people hated it and so they are unless you were really sporty naturally or you had a you you already had a predisposition for that kind of interest it wasn't it wasn't a good lesson for you right and it it brought up all these kind of feelings of inadequacy and then you go into adult life wanting to not play sport because of those experiences and it's it's similar to to what you were saying yeah well i mean for me at the time when i used to go to the clinics my dad would take me because he wasn't working because of his heart condition and my dad would take me to the clinics and you know, my um, HbA1c, which is your overall um, sugar control, yeah. um, they would uh, they'd get the blood results and then they would be like, you're the worst child in this clinic. Oh, um, wow. And it, and that, w- that for me probably came, first of all, from a, my parents' understanding of the condition, um, which then wasn't really passed on to me. Um, and rather than say what's going wrong here, that was the kind of response I would get. So basically... I'd go home and think, well, if I'm the worst, I may as well be the worst. It's like calling right. a child naughty. Yeah. So then I, I would eat lots of chocolate. Then I would, you know, I wouldn't follow the guide, the guidance that was kind of out there because I thought, well, I, I'm labelled as this person, so I may as well be this person. Yeah. Um, and it's like you say, you know, these experiences shape our behaviours going forward. And actually, throughout my career as a nurse, so... Um, most of my experiences in general practice, um, where we see lots of chronic diseases and, um, you know, it's about chronic um, disease management. And for me, about I, I always take people back to the, the beginning because they might have also had a bad experience. So asthma was one of my main specialities. And people would say to me, um, I'd say, oh, that's a, you know, I can hear you coughing down the corridor. And they say, yeah, I've got asthma. So they might have had asthma for 20, 30 years. And I'd say, but, you know having asthma having a cough when you have asthma means that your asthma is uncontrolled and people think that because they have asthma they should have a cough and that right. that's that means your asthma is not controlled so for me it was about taking them back to the very basics and educating them and empowering them um so that they they could have the the best life without any symptoms and then i bloody couldn't get them back to the clinic for reviews because everyone was was fit and well and that to yeah. me was was verification that i was doing the right thing by educating and empowering people as, as much as I could yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and I think that I think that it's something that people and I, this isn't supposed to sound blaming in any way but I think that people unconsciously use whatever diagnosis they've got to 
almost not excuse but maybe yeah justify certain certain things um if it was if that diagnosis or um advice was given in a certain way you know if their understanding like you said is kind of is 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 maybe different from the reality if the understanding for example you used you you used asthma there if people think that they oh i've got asthma therefore that justifies this that and the other and you did with your diabetes oh well if i'm the worst kid then i'm and i think it's i think it's quite um quite common for people to do that and also not even just perhaps if they've got a diagnosis of something but also just it becomes part of their identity right like a diagnosis can become rather than i have diabetes it becomes i am diabetic yeah. And it becomes like a core identity, and so you kind of you latch onto it, whether you whether you actually like that part of your identity or not. No one no one necessarily would choose uh, to have these these um, challenges, these health challenges to to deal with, but yet it still becomes part of the identity. And in the same way, upbringing and parental habits and routines and lifestyle can become part of your identity as well because you grew up with these certain certain things so hereditary um hereditary things aren't always you know done through your genes right you can you of course you inherit genetic information from your parents but you also inherit behaviors and that can become part of your identity and letting go of that in the same way as letting go of a diagnosis can be quite a tricky thing to do because the alternative is a bit of uncertainty around who you are if you've had that as part of your identity for so long yeah and and we see that a lot in um populations from disadvantaged backgrounds you know there's health inequalities yes and those health inequalities are around the education and the access to good quality information on how to look after your health and well-being yeah um and as as people if people don't move out of those demographics then those health inequalities still exist as an adult so it's easy to say oh they should know better or they they should know what to do but actually if that education's never been there in the first place or it's never been a part of someone's culture and upbringing it, it's a it's a challenge to to bring that to the forefront of someone's behavior and habits it's easy to say it's obvious when you know isn't yeah. it like it's yeah. really easy to say that it's obvious information if that's something that you've that you've been privy to for a long time and i think that in the fitness industry it can become very um, apparent that a lot of coaches think that the obvious stuff they don't deal with the obvious stuff because it's obvious to them and they think everyone knows it whereas in reality most people don't know it or rather they might be a bit confused about the the nuance of it i mean there's so much conflicting advice out there when it comes to health and fitness and so if anything it's not that the information isn't there it's it's which information do you listen to because you could pick up two magazines and they'll be completely advising two different things right and if you or you could watch two different tv programs or netflix documentaries and you know i'm not saying that this is where the best advice is is necessarily going to come from but it's where most people get their advice from you we've just got to accept that most people get their advice from the media and to be honest i say two different programs or two different magazines but you could you could pick up one magazine and it'd be two different articles which have completely conflicting information and it, i think it's that lack of clarity that 
really confuses people and almost turns people off because they they've already got enough on their plate they want more energy they want more time they want to claw back a bit of that uh, of that time and energy they don't want to be spending more time and energy sifting through the kind of muddy waters trying to find that bit of advice which actually works they want they want it to be clear and go right this is out this is what you need to do yeah so i um i read a fact actually that uh, 60% of young people get their news from youtube yeah. Um, so um, this is the the way of, of the world moving forward. Yeah. But the for me, it's if someone reads conflicting information, um, then they just don't do anything. They don't make any changes. No. Because they just say, well, what that what's right? I don't yeah. know, so I'm not doing anything. Yeah, it's like the high carb versus like high carb, low fat versus you know low carb, high fat and things like that and it's, it's like they're the polar opposites and you've got people in each case it's not that they're slightly different it's literally they're saying the opposite thing and I think the biggest the the biggest factor in anything like that in terms of ways of eating for 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 health and stuff like that is really down to what people feel good on and what people can sustain because for example for me there's absolutely no way that I could um, maintain a low carb diet for probably longer than about four hours and <laughs> and so I, it's just not it's not a sensible way of eating for me and because I eat only plants pretty much that I, I, I don't know 78% of my diet is carbohydrates yeah. and so like so I've, I've had to find a way of a way of eating which makes me feel great and obviously there's science and we know that eating lots of fresh fruit and veg is good for you across the board but other than those kind of key things like that um drinking enough water you know the obvious bits and pieces like that i say obvious but you know the things that most people are aware of eat more fruit and veg drink more water stuff like that and limit your processed junk foods you don't have to cut it out completely but these kind of things and then when people get bogged down on the kind of the details of how many grams of this should i have per day unless you've got a medical condition which warrants limiting certain things whether it's an intolerance an allergy you're diabetic whatever or whether it's whether you're if you're an athlete or a bodybuilder which requires a real um detailed approach in which case you should have you should be working with someone who can provide that service for you unless you're in those categories if you're general population and you're just eating for overall health you don't need to worry about the details it's the overall it's the big stuff that you're already not doing but so many people are looking for a magic bullet where they go oh it's the carbs fault and and being able to cut that out and it being a simple answer um and unfortunately, that's what sells. You know, it's easy to sell an extreme. It's easy to make a, an extreme approach sexy, whereas moderation is very difficult to make sexy. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I do like you know. Have you seen the eat well plates that you can yeah. you can get? You know, that for me they're kind of like a rough guide. This is your yeah. fruit and veg. This is your your meat or your pulses, and you know, and this is your your fiber. Like it's all it's all split up. Um, affordability is a really big thing as well for people. And, oh yeah. Um, you know, like you say, everything in moderation, and the, just the fresher things can be, then that's going to be healthier for you. So you don't have to um, worry about additives, whether that's sugar, salt, um, and all the chemicals that we, we don't need. So you know, don't follow a, a diet as such. Just eat um, 
fresh fresh produce when you yeah. come yeah and it's um it's about i mean you were talking about kind of daily habits and routines and small things earlier on uh, at the start of the chat that we're having was you were saying about little things which add up over time and i think that's where a lot of people fall down in terms of uh, going on a diet for example is that they're trying to change too many things at once they're trying to change an enormous swathe of their life lifestyle in one go rather than tweaking and going right could i eat more veg with my dinner for example yes and I think that when you make things more difficult than they need to be, that's why. And obviously, we've got New Year around the corner, and a lot of people are going to be making these huge changes because they do it every single year. And the reason that they do it every single year is because by February they're not doing it anymore, and then they they they're not where they want to be. And so the next New Year rolls around, and they make the same resolutions again. And go this year, this year I'm going to stick to the diet. But if people change the way that they're trying to make those changes and do it in a more right i'm just going to tweak a couple of things each month for example then by the end of 2021 you will have actually maintained that a lot more easily than if you try and change everything on january the first yeah and you know I wouldn't even go as far as a New Year's resolution. Have you, you know, the Monday diet, that's that's a yeah. huge thing that people do. Every Monday, people are like, right, I'm going to be good this week. I'm going to do this. And by Tuesday, they're, they're back to, to their old ways because it's just unrealistic to, to yeah. follow. So for me, it's just keeping it simple and making those very, very small changes that, like you say, will add up to big things. You know, yeah. maybe every week, do something rather than a daily thing or everything all at once yeah have you um have you seen just out of interest because you're talking about the um the eat well plate yes and the eat well plate is is something which yeah i mean you can find it quite easy it's all on the nhs website and stuff like that if people who are listening to this haven't seen it it's worth going and having a look because it is like quite a basic visual guide of this is kind of how your how your diet should be made up now it's it's pretty like you said it's pretty on it really you know it's it's it, there are probably a couple of things that i might personally change about it and what i was going to come on to is have you seen the canadian one no i've not seen the canadian so one. the canadian one changed theirs recently um and they've got a an amazing um website resource which you can look at on uh, i think if you, if you search for food guide canada then you can you can get like a um the website up but what theirs looks more like is um so they've changed there so half of the plate is fruits and vegetables whereas kind of the the, the uk one is about or i think a third of the plate yeah. yeah so with this it's half is is fruits and veggies um, a quarter of the plate is kind of your proteins, and then a quarter of your plate is your um, is your like starches and uh, and grains and stuff like that. And so it's even more simple than the than the eat well plate. And yeah. what I liked about it is it doesn't have the um, so like we've got in the UK we've got a dairy section, for yeah. example. Now you can be perfectly healthy and not have any dairy in your diet. Okay, and and and. If you want dairy in your diet and you have that, that would kind of come into your protein, meat, fish, eggs. Um, For me, it's kind of plant-based proteins like tofu and lentils and beans and stuff like that. Um, It doesn't need to have its kind of separate part, if that makes sense. And I think that what they've done, because they've changed it within the last kind of year or two. And so the evidence and the the, the scientific backing for that is is using a lot more of the up-to-date research which has come out over the kind of 
more recent years um and yeah they've updated it accordingly and it's it's even more simple and that's kind of why i like it yeah but that it is an example of um yet another piece of information like what we yeah. were saying before yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you follow what do you do but i think with some things there's no right or wrong answer and you have to do what's best for you and I absolutely think, yeah this is where um health and well-being falls down where the everyone's trying to do what the masses are doing but actually it comes back to you and what's right for you yeah. it's not going to be right for even the same person in your household so you have to do what you're going to follow what's best for your health and well-being um, and something that you're going to stick to to lead a happier and healthier life and a big part of that what you're going to stick to comes down to whether you enjoy it or not yeah completely and um, a lot of is, people are trying to has it got a chocolate section on that plate? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a chocolate section, but I think that what the what I'm I too, like. What, I'm just going to have to invent my own plate then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Emma's plate. Yes, um, and everyone should follow that one. No, the um, the what I what I quite like about that the 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 Canadian one was that it was um, it, it didn't include kind of the stuff that you would have around that like this is kind of it, the majority of what your diet should look like so it didn't need to include the kind of um a bit like with your with the, the the nhs eat well guide the chocolate the crisps the kind of condiments and bits and pieces like that are not actually part of the plate they're off to the side as a kind of oh and a bit of this as well if you fancy yeah. it kind of thing it doesn't it's it's like the the plate should make up the like what you're having to keep yourself healthy and balanced and eating well and all the rest of it and then these are the things which you can have if you want but you don't have to like if you don't want to eat chocolate you don't have to eat chocolate um but you can if you want yeah i'm sure uh, people are going to say not going to say no to that <laughs> well yeah no you see this is a it's a contentious one because i think it's a bit it's a bit like i feel like chocolate is one of those ones where if you don't if you're not as into it as everyone else you kind of looked at weird it's like if you're not a dog person people are just like well i don't trust you if you don't like chocolate <laughs> yeah well actually my uh my husband and i were having this conversation um yesterday or the other day and he said what is it with women and chocolate like it seems to be women that are more into it than men yes when it, when it comes to chocolate i don't i don't I th- I, I'm taking it's a hormonal thing and a yeah, feel maybe. good um, a feel good thing, um, but you're just saying like you know most of the women he knows it's all about chocolate. <laughs> I think I think that I think that there is there is something to be said for that. I'm sure there hasn't been a study done on it though. I reckon no. I reckon that's anecdotal, but the. Um, but it's definitely my experience as well and, and certainly for me I mean I don't I don't mind I'm not averse to chocolate but I like dark chocolate I like very very dark chocolate um, and I, I'm not I'm not a fan of milk chocolate at all and I'm much more savoury uh, yeah. you see I could I could destroy a family bag of crisps in one sitting without any problem at all but chocolate nah, not, not as not as fussed no. about it no, I, I mean, dark chocolate does have um, health benefits, but... I keep telling a, myself that. Yeah, it gives me a migraine, so I have to avoid Red it. wine has health benefits as well, so like, yeah, you know, I, eating a few bars of uh, bars of dark chocolate and a few bottles of red wine, that's healthy, right? Uh, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, uh, and I, I'm, I'm also, uh, my husband also says I'm not mature enough to, because um, I don't like red wine. <laughs> either. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it tastes like vinegar, so I'm not a big uh, drinker either of, uh, of wine. I was having a very similar conversation with my wife, um, except it was about Brussels sprouts. 
Ah right, no, I do like a sprout. Or two. Right, see, I like a sprout as well, and and my wife was saying, oh, she'll she'll she'd have one on Christmas Day because she feels like she has to, um, and she said that the reason she feels like she has to is because uh, because she feels like she's not grown up enough if she doesn't. <laughs> it's funny how we how we associate these things, isn't it, with like with being mature More grown up yeah, <laughs> yeah but there's there's so much emotional baggage around food there's so much and this is uh, this is kind of it nicely leads into the social and emotional side of eating because we talk about food being for health right and it is important that we get the things that our body needs on a nutritional level you know we need the macronutrients we need the micronutrients that our body needs in order to function properly of course however when you start, and I see this in the fitness industry still now, where people are talking about food as fuel, and they're failing to take into consideration the emotional and social attachment that humans have to food. Since the dawn of time, food has been a means of celebration. It's been a means of coming together. If you think of phrases like breaking bread, that is, you know, it's it's been part of um, our interaction with other humans and part of our communities forever and so to think of or to take that out of it and to think of food only as fuel doesn't really uh, doesn't really factor that in and we need to be able to have an enjoyment we need to be able to have a almost spiritual connection to the process of um, growing preparing cooking and eating now we, we can't always do all of those things because obviously our our surroundings might not allow us to grow our own food of course um people might not have the space the time the energy i get that but if we took a step away from things that were pre-prepared even just a small step away from that and reconnected with that process of sharing food with people um sharing kind of the the, the, the cooking and and connecting with our food more and connecting with people over food then it kind of creates a whole different uh, feeling around that process of eating it becomes more of an enjoyable experience rather than just something you have to do yeah i think it needs to be looked at so when you talk about that that celebration of, of food you know in what yeah. in, in workplaces for example you know oh, yeah the, the, the lunchtime or the, the, the nights out it, it's okay in moderation yep um you know you can go as far as saying you know the culture in workplaces around alcohol yeah. um, and other things, you know, that has actually been detrimental to people's health rather than kind of... that. It's a detrimental part for me as employee experience. Yes. Uh, although I'm sure the people getting the free beer uh, disagree, disagree with that. Well, it's, it's, it's a good short-term experience, but a poor long-term experience yeah. in a way, isn't it? Yeah, at, at, the t- at the time, everyone's like, yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when it adds to... Um, you know poor lifestyle habits and things but um yeah I, I see what you mean about experience so like you know i've got two teenagers and they love um crappy foods as much as the next person yeah um so during um lockdown lockdown 1.0 yep we had a come down with me where yeah. everyone had to um find and prepare um, a three-course meal. Oh, nice! Um, and that was that was a good experience for them to, um, like you say, plan um, the ingredients that they were going to use, um, prepare the ingredients, cook the ingredients, and then watch other people enjoy or uh, not enjoy <laughs> um, what, what, they, <laughs> what, what what they had done. So 
um, that brought some connectivity around yeah. it and actually they wanted to continue with it but it just that week my shopping bill was astronomical because yeah. uh, it was like it was like eating out four nights in a row because it was all we were all trying to make restaurant quality products. Yeah, and it's all three. I mean, most nights you're not going to eat a three course meal, no. and when you're doing something like that, you end up buying ingredients that aren't necessarily going to be things that you would use as an everyday ingredient. And you've got these kind of strange and obscure spices yes. in the cupboard now, which will be there until 2028 at least. Yeah. And I, so I get that. But what you've what you've kind of identified there is exactly what I was getting at, where people are so disconnected from that enjoyable experience. And yeah. I, when I talk about kind of connecting back with food and, and getting enjoyment from food, I mean taking that enjoyment away from the the meals out and the takeaways and the alcohol and the um, and the junk side of things, where people associate which people associate with good times, right? People associate um, having a a takeaway with having a night off a night off cooking and so it's an association thing whereas if you can and it takes time of course but if you can take some enjoyment from that and and get the enjoyment instead from creating uh something yourself and it doesn't have to be something complex you don't have to be a michelin starred chef it's like if you make a if you make a stir fry from scratch or if you learn how to make your favorite takeaway um learn how to make it yourself there's so much kind of pride in that and it doesn't have to take a huge amount of time doesn't have to take a huge amount of money it doesn't have to take a a a huge amount of expertise or skill if it's done in the right way and and you can learn these really simple ways of just making things real basic and another way another way of doing it is you don't have to do it every night what i do is i like to make a big pot of something which will last two or three nights yeah and then i've got ready meals but I made them. You know what I mean? Like I can bung them in the microwave and I've got a dinner ready in 10 minutes, but I made it. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. No, so f- for us, um, so what you're saying about the takeaway thing. So during um, the first lockdown, uh, we stopped having takeaways because first of all, the, the contact with external people yeah, yeah. Um, and from a financial point of view, because it does add up. When you yeah, keep, when it does you, quickly, when you doesn't them. it? So um, Chinese for me is my is my favourite food. Yep. But I am I'm also gluten free, um, yep. and Chinese is the hardest food to find um, without any um, soy sauce in and and, yep. and the likes. So um, I learned to make egg fried rice at home, yeah. and uh, it's now a weekly favourite, family yeah. favourite. Yeah. And at, if I'm honest, there's it's not um, there's not that much difference between that and um, buying it from the takeaway a- apart from it's probably like 20 quid cheaper yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there is that but, but for the whole for the whole family so you know that that's um something that we've learned and, and we've done but you know uh recently ministers have been d- discussing the advertising uh, advertising of certain foods yeah. on social media yeah and you know you only have to switch the telly on and you see uh certain food people that can deliver to your door that you you know you can get a takeaway and people use it as a what i would call a bad coping strategy yeah yeah Yeah. so it's it's about looking at why are you doing that uh, and what can you do to improve your life so that you're not feeling that knacker that you're having to order a takeaway three four yeah everything in moderation is fine and it's nice to have a treat oh yeah 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 i'm not saying never get a takeaway but when you get like last week we had three takeaways yeah in a a row which is which is disgusting and terrible 
but I'd just done like three 10 hour days and yeah. I was like, and my husband had done three 12 hour days and we're just like, can't be bothered. Yeah. But yeah. if I... A lot of people are in that situation, aren't they? Yeah. And you know, it's all about preparation, being better prepared. And so like you were talking about your batch cooking there, you know, maybe with um, hindsight, I could have at the start of the week prepared oh there's no maybe mate you know you yeah. could have done it <laughs> yeah i could have made like mon- the monday and the tuesday i could have made two two lots of each and yes. that would have done as and we could have had one takeaway rather than the three it's yeah about- and then you've still got the enjoyment of having that takeaway yeah. as well haven't yeah. you yeah because, rather than you know, it being a necessity yeah i have to have some treats you know oh yeah we all do i don't drink you know don't go clubbing anymore don't go out anymore or oh, guess what because no one uh, goes out anymore <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not allowed mate. that's that's the way of life now <laughs> yeah no so, that, but i think i think that's exactly it we do need we like it, there's nothing wrong with with having a takeaway but i think that we, it's it's nice to have a takeaway on our own terms where we actually are going to enjoy it rather than yeah. doing it because we haven't got a meal for dinner and yeah. we need to buy something in uh, i think it's yeah because that's that's it's it's a whole different feeling around it and and it like you said it adds up i mean if you have one takeaway and it's for your whole family and you spend 20 or 30 quid at least on it then that's great but if you're doing that three four times a week because you've got no other option i mean that's a huge amount of money a huge amount of money and it, it doesn't save you a huge amount of time necessarily because of it just requires a bit of planning um so the time gets put in maybe in advance but it doesn't require any more time on the day, and I think that I think that that kind of planning and preparation can be can be really really key. When you were saying about why are people in that situation where they need to, I mean, why do you think that that is such a common thing that people are getting home, um, they're knackered, they haven't. They, why do you think so many people are getting takeaways or going for not just takeaways but convenience foods? Yeah, and um, you know, just to to move away from the food because we have been talking. Oh yeah, about, we do a lot, that, don't we? <laughs> about about that for a while. So I mean, it's it's coping strategies in general. Why do people have those behaviours? Yeah. Um, and you know, it, most people's working routines have changed recently. Yeah. And something um, I've said quite a lot is, are we uh, working at home or living at work? And for me, it's right. about for me, it's about having clear boundaries and being able to switch off and say you know if you work if you're working from home to say well actually work's finished now um i i do it quite quite a lot but you know the the benefits of um being your own boss yeah um it, and being individual and looking after yourself is that you have like i said earlier you have to do what's right for you so i tend to start work at work about 11 o'clock yeah and do 11 till three um and then i'll do um four to eight yeah so because that's what suits me that's when i'm most creative and i'm most yeah. productive um but i'm making sure now because sometimes that eight would creep into nine ten yeah uh, go downstairs for my tea and then they'd be on my phone so it, it's about being able to separate and identify the difference between working from home and living at home and taking time for yourself. Self-care is often um, been seen as being selfish. I don't know where that's that's come from, but if we don't look after ourselves, it's difficult to prioritise work to look after other people. So people need to be making sure that they are looking after their own health and well-being before everything else. It's not selfish. It's, it's a necessity to, to function and, and continue. I wonder how much of that has come from I think it. I think it varies from kind of someone's role in the home 
whether they are I mean obviously these days most of the time if you're in a kind of nuclear family two parents and all the rest of it um, both parents are working uh, it's not yeah. quite the same as it was obviously like 50 years ago where one parent would work one parent would stay at home but um, there's also and again I'm going to make sweeping generalizations here before anyone has a go at me but in general um, men and women have a different kind of feel of what their role is in the home for the most part and it varies from household to household in terms of the split of you know domestic work and it varies like who who pulls um, more stuff at home who pulls in a higher income and and it's obviously there's a huge amount of variety however from chatting to people it seems that women feel that it's selfish to have self-care stuff um, because they feel like they should be the they should be nurturing their family and stuff yeah. like that. Even if they're working as well, even if they yeah. are, if, even if they've got an incredibly successful career um, or they're working long hours or whatever it is, they've still got that kind of maternal. Um, I should be looking after my kids. If, if you've got kids, this is talking about from a family perspective. Um, and then the 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 bloke often feels that they should be working and providing in a different way, a hunter-gatherer kind of way. Um, yes, also a paternal kind of instinct as well, but also this kind of provider. And if they're not, if, if, they're, if they're taking time for themselves, on either side of that coin, it often can feel like, oh, I should be looking after my family or I should be working on my on bringing more money in or I should be doing work around the house and fixing this and doing that irrespective of what the kind of what the actual kind of gender role is if you like but i think that i think that the outcome is the same the outcome is that people feel like they can't take time for themselves because they've got so much other stuff that they that they feel they should be doing and what you said about it being a necessity is it, i mean you always hear the oxygen mask analogy don't you yeah. when you're on an airplane and they do the safety briefing and they say put your own mask on before you put anyone else's on because otherwise you'll be no fucking good to anyone they don't yeah. usually word it like that but it's, yeah. that, it's that it's that isn't it maybe maybe they should <laughs> i reckon i reckon if there was more swearing in the safety briefings more people would listen yeah rather than like oh shit i've not uh, switched my phone on airplane mode <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i think um, they should be i think there should be light shows it should be more dramatic yeah i, I think it's just making people um, it goes back to that education and, and empowering people and making them see that it's okay to prioritize like you know so you, traditionally your pr- priorities are like you know kids yeah. um, house money like you know yeah. in whatever order you want to put it but the me or you know always comes at the end of that list for some some people are good at looking after themselves and, yeah uh, but they might be black branded as being selfish for for doing that and it's it's getting that out of your head that um prioritizing your health really is the most important thing well it makes you a better everything doesn't it if you are fit and well you can show up as a parent partner business person um employee friend human being in general you can just show up and be better at all of that because you've got a greater capacity to 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 do stuff and to care for people i mean it's 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 so important i think that there's more talk about that now than there ever has been before and i think it is so good that that is becoming more of a discussion you know self-care never used to get talked about and now it's talked about a lot more but i think that what's really important is that 
that we also educate that self-care isn't getting to a point where you're where you're almost burnt out and then going away for a spa weekend i mean if only this if only the spas were open yeah and and this is the thing in the education piece around self-care that self-care isn't just about um you know putting your your turban towel on and your cucumber over your eyes and yeah. lying there relaxing and painting your nails or whatever tickles your fancy. Have you been spying on me, Emma? <laughs> oh, you'd be, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, but it, it's about what we do every day to look after ourselves. And it, it's something as basic as brushing your teeth and having yes. a shower. Yeah. You know, and taking that time and, you know, being thinking about things and processing things that never comes from working 10 hour days it comes from stopping and taking a step back like you say it makes you a better person whether that's having ideas or planning or thinking about your shopping or your meals or the kids and and, and other things you you need to take that step back and and look after yourself but it doesn't have to be about pampering it's not about pampering no It's, it's about feeding your body good things about feeding your mind good things from a from a digital well-being point of yep. view, from you know, there's there's so many things you can do, and you know, sometimes I think, oh, I can't I can't say that again because I've already said it when I'm talking about health and well-being. People know that they should be exercising. People know that they yeah. should have nutrition, uh, have good nutrition, and and other things, but people don't do it, so no. they have to keep having a reminder. Yeah. Yeah, that, that this is what this is what you should be doing. This and is the we all behaviors. need that reminder as well, don't yeah. we? Like even people like us who work in this industry where we are giving this advice, it's it's not about knowing it; it's about actioning it, and those are two different things, right? Yeah, and that's why I'm so fascinated with the psychology side of things and the habit change side of things is because it's it's not how, how like how, what more information can we give people it's how can we help people actually make the changes how can we support people to actually do the things that they already know they probably should be doing but they're not yeah and and i think uh, the behavior piece around that is people always think that uh that's not going to happen to me i'm not going to have a heart attack or a stroke yeah. i'm i'm not going to have a, a mental health breakdown and um, that's not going to happen to me this message isn't for me i'm i'm skinny or i'm I'm doing a little bit each day for for this and that, and it, it might just not be enough. But people don't they push the bad stuff to the uh, you know the outer edges of their life, yeah, um, and, and and think well they're not talking to me, and that's why what what I'm doing now I, I believe has so much value um, by engaging individuals in their health, so that when an organisation sends a message out there, we are doing this, we are doing that, that that person then thinks ah they're talking to me here right so that when when you're working with the company is that how that is that how that works then so you're you're obviously working with the 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 management of a team to to kind of help them uh improve from a business perspective from a work perspective and and there are certain things that they they're obviously looking to to increase or decrease correspondingly um but then you're working with the individuals in that team as well yeah, so uh, say it was an organisation with, you know, 20, 50, 100, however many people. Um, the What we do is we provide individuals with um, their own health check. Yeah. And that health check looks at um, physical, mental, lifestyle, 
um, social well-being from a, a culture point of view. Um, we engage that person in their own health, um, looking at their risks, so current problems and future risks. And then that is um, conveyed in an anonymized report to the organization. Yep. And we use that data to, um, the same as with the individuals, show the organization where the current problems are, where the future risks are, yeah. Um, and we address it and we address it in a strategy because it's important that the strategy is relevant to their needs um, and to like you say what they want to achieve from business, a business outcome point of view but also in their initiatives and um, for me workplace health or corporate health and well-being is traditionally aimed at healthy people which is stupid it's bloody yeah. stupid when you think about it yeah you of know course it is. C- cycle to work and yoga and fruit that's for the people that have already got a bike for the people that already do yoga for and um, the people that like fruit, because let's face it, a lot of people don't actually like fruit. Yeah, they're not going to start eating it just because it's on a bowl in the in the cafeteria at work yeah. or, or whatever. So the healthy people are benefiting, but actually we need to engage. I have a character. He's called Fat Bob. Sorry if you're offended if your name's Bob, but it's you know, it's just <laughs> it's just a general generalization. Um, but Fat Bob is the guy that's at risk. He's the guy that's likely to have a heart attack or a stroke. He's the guy that's more likely to have a mental health condition. But he's not going to put lycra on and start doing yoga in his lunch break just because his organisation's providing it. We need to do relevant initiatives that engage people yeah. in their yeah. health and well-being, meeting and them that, at their level. And that, yeah, and that can be as simple as saying, "Bob, take half an hour for your lunch," or "Bob, take half an hour, go for a walk yeah. around your local area, around the park, or, or whatever." Bob, I've noticed you're struggling a bit in the mo- in the morning. Start work at ten. Yeah, it's about being like looking after individuals, but also you know the organisation as well. But being able to um, offer stuff that's relevant to people so they can improve their health and well-being, because ultimately the business will profit from that. In yeah, the long well, run. We, we we keep coming back to that individual tweaks and individual understanding of that we're all different, we're all special snowflakes, and all the rest of it, right? Yeah, and and how even if you're working with a um, a large group of people or an entire population the the outcomes can be based on that overall um, and wanting to look at kind of an overall population based result if you like but the actual work has to be appropriate for each individual within that it's not it's not to say that you have to go in depth coaching each individual person but there has to be options which suit all the different people within that uh, because because what works for person A isn't going to work for person B. Just yeah. from just from even if you just look at the enjoyment point of it, yeah. never mind the physiological kind of stuff. Um, even from an enjoyment perspective, one person might go, "Oh, I've never done this before, and I'm really enjoying it," and then they maintain it for the rest of their life. Someone else might do the exact same thing and go, "I hate this," and they manage to maintain it for six days. Yeah, like for example, um, I've recently taken up golf. Um, which I, I thought was never on the. I'm not. I'm not a really good physical person. Yeah. Um, and you know, fitness isn't my thing um, or sports. Uh, and I thought, well, actually, if I try it, then it's exercise and it's outdoors. So it kills yeah. two birds with one stone. Yeah. So I tried it, and now I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Um, and but you I don't know it. until you try these things, right? Yeah. So I've got my husband. Because he then became a golf widow, <laughs> yeah. he was like, well, I may as well come with you. And, you know, that golf during um, COVID is our like, day, day without the kids, like going to play golf with yeah. and, and, and spending time together. But 
like I've got my handicap now. I've entered competitions. Like I'm obsessed with it. Like I wanted like spank everyone at golf. Yeah. Like I'm like, woo! He's come along. He likes it, but he's not interested in. He just wants to play. Yeah. And he's not interested in getting More a casual. handicap and and things. So that's that's like what I'm talking about. Engage when you're saying about engagement and people getting yep. involved in it. That, but you still want people to pique an interest and do it. Yes. Yeah. Not not be like, you know, the diet thing. Oh, yeah, I tried it one day last um, <laughs> Julember and, you know, that's it. You want them to see people where they'll, they'll run with it and like, yeah, this is amazing. But you also want, you want others to say, well, it's okay, but I'll just do it weekly or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a personal thing. And that's one of the one of the best messages that anyone can take from this is that it is a very personal journey. You've got to play the detective a bit uh, uh, in terms of what activity you like doing, what um, what way you like to eat, um, what self-care activities you, you enjoy and you find allow you to manage your stress better and stuff like that. Because let's be honest, and this is an example I've used before, some people really get a lot of stress relief from having a bath, but I get out of a bath more stressed than I get in. I hate them. Because you're freezing. <laughs> no, it's not that. I overheat. I make the bath too hot. I yeah. get out and I'm just like, oh, just horrible, horrible yeah. things. That's your blood pressures in your boots then. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's like... Too hot. Exactly. And so so for me, I'd much rather have a shower. But this is the thing, is that the, yeah. the, the concept of self-care, the concept of, of, of looking after your well-being physically and mentally is such a personal journey. And you, you've, you've got to play the detective, try different things, see what works don't just try things once either because if you try something once you never know anyway do you but it's like yeah. maintain it for a little bit do it a few times go and try a new sport a couple of times um if you're still not really getting into it try something different yeah do you want do you want to know what i do for my self-care every what, day what do you do for your self-care which is uh it, and this is the thing you might not even think it's self-care but i've recognized that it is self-care um at um t- uh three o'clock i have my lunch because i start later yeah. Um, so um, I go downstairs at five to three um, and I put the telly on and every day, Monday to Friday, I watch A Place in the Sun. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's on for an hour because yep. one of my goals is to have a nice um, alternative home in the heat, yep. <laughs> in the sunshine, because yep. that's good for your vitamin D and, and yeah, everything yeah, else. Yeah. Um, so every day, that's my, my release. So I've worked hard up until that yeah. point. I go down, whilst it's on, a, you know, I might pause it and then make some lunch, and then I sit and eat my lunch watching that and think, oh, yeah, that'll be me one day. And then at four o'clock, I'm like, right, back upstairs, yeah. and, and I crack on. Yeah. And I'm totally de-stressed after watching it, apart yeah. from when um, people don't, they don't buy a home and I'm like, you're time waster. <laughs> you're shouting <laughs> but, at the TV. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, I knew you were a time waster. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so for me, that's kind of what, yeah. like, I know that relaxes me and distresses me, but also it helps me focus going back to work because I know that that's one of my goals. Yeah, so it's a combination to, of things yeah, there, isn't it? So I'm, I'm, I'm killing two birds with one stone with, yeah. with that piece of... And people might think, oh, that's that's a bit weird and it's not like going for a walk around the block. No, but it will be but, weird to some people, right? Yeah. And that's the whole point is yeah. that if it's weird to other people, that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not I, for I, them. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. No. But... Uh, you'll be laughing when I've uh, when I've got my nice property abroad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, if there was someone listening to this who is in a position where perhaps this year has just screwed them over massively, let's be honest, most people are feeling a bit like that at the moment. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge amount of uncertainty, and that is leading to a huge amounts of stress and anxiety uh, and worry. And 
the things which tend to slip first are those self-care habits because they're not ingrained enough. They're too complex or big uh, because they're not those tiny little daily habits. So these things have slipped. But there's a lot of people who want to start taking care of themselves better, either for the first time or they want to get back into it, but they're feeling a bit overwhelmed with everything that's going on. Where would you recommend they start? Do you have any advice for someone who just wants to take a take that first step? Yeah, so for, for me, like like I said before, we know that you should eat, eat good food. We know that you should exercise. Um, we know that you should go to bed and have, you know, seven, eight hours sleep a night. Yeah. For me, uh, at this time uh, in society, digital well-being is really important. Oh, huge, yeah. Um, so my, my tips around that is to, to monitor how often you're using um, your mobile device. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's lots of apps out there that will show you um, you know what apps you're using um, how many notifications you're getting even how often you're looking at the phone the average person looks at the phone 58 times a day yeah um, so an hour more like I reckon well, well <laughs> Well, that's not how long you stay on your phone, no, no. 58 times a day. And actually, um, the re- research has shown that every time you look at your phone, it takes you um, something like 23 minutes to get back into deep focus. So, right, okay. um, so following on from that, switch all your notifications off yeah. and go on your um, digital devices with a purpose yep. um, and get the hell back off it once you've, once you've gone on there for something. The amount of times I go on my phone and then about an hour later, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even look at what I was. Yeah, <laughs> what I've yeah, gone on there yeah. for, and I think so I've just many distractions wasted, um, and it avoids negativity as well because there's so much of it out there. So there to is, keep yeah. you positive and, and focus, um, and use it. Use the tech for good. There's so much stuff you can use on it. So um, download information on there, and um, that, for example, if you want to go for a hike. Um, use the maps and yeah. then get off there. Use it to download a recipe. Yeah. Like I said before about come, we can use the tech for so much good. Yeah. Um, but then get back off it and interact with people. It's um, just a and, tool, isn't it? And it's about yeah. it's about use versus abuse of that yes. tool, isn't it? Using it yeah. in a in a constructive way. Using a hammer to build something rather than smash something down. Yeah. And at, at the minute, for me, like the the bonus of technology is, um, you know, we can the the connectivity that comes from it. Um, if, if, you know, the pandemic had happened e- even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, yep. we, people would have been really struggling. But now we can keep in touch with colleagues, friends, families yep. um, and things like that. And if you have noticed that someone um, isn't there or the camera isn't on quite a lot or whatever, then reach out to them because they might be struggling yeah. um, with, with their health and well-being. Yeah. So reflect on that kind of digital use see where you're at because again like with that everyone's going to be different and the steps that they need to take um what however small they're going to be different from person to person you need to know where you're starting from don't you yeah completely awesome stuff emma thank you so much for jumping on if people want to kind of follow what you do and kind of get in touch or anything like that where are the best places to find you oh okay so you can um Check out my website, inhousehealth.co.uk. You can find me on in, uh, LinkedIn, Emma Louise Fizzari. Uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's all in-house health. Um, that's the, the name of my company. Um, and I also have a radio show. Am I all right to plug that? Go for it. Yeah, so check up Tuesday um, with me, Emma Louise Fazari, the digital nurse. It's on every Tuesday, as the name suggests, um, at six o'clock. Um, if you go on to Fab Radio International, uh, it's on there and um, you can catch up um, with my shows as well um, that are recorded as we as we go along. 
fantastic what i will do as well is i'll i'll put some links in the description so if anyone's listening to this on anchor or on spotify then there will be clickable links to some of those bits and pieces in the description for this episode if you're listening on other services such as apple for some reason those links won't be clickable because apple doesn't like me um so you'll just have to go searching for it instead okay um emma once again thank you so much for coming on and having this chat uh, and uh, hopefully get you back on at some time next year maybe Yeah, no, it's great. It's uh, been lovely chatting to you. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fit Body, Fit Mind with me, Jay Unwin. If you aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook, then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online. Until next time, stay fit, stay well and have fun.